Well, good morning, Vintage Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise God. It is so great to see every single one of your smiling faces in church this morning. As you might have noticed, I am not Pastor Keegan. Uh, Pastor Keegan uh, came down with an illness and, uh, and was not uh, able to speak this morning, so unfortunately you are stuck with me, uh, but that is okay. God is here and the power of the Holy Spirit is in this place, and praise God for that. Well guys, I have a, a couple quick things before we jump in to the message this morning. First, if you're new here to Vintage, Tommy already mentioned it a little bit, but I will be back in the guest suite as soon as service is over, and I would love to connect with you. If you would just bring that connection card, I'd love to shake your hand, learn your name, and just get to know you a little better. Secondly, if you haven't done it already, we have a fantastic app, the Vintage Church app. It has all of our notes uh, on there, all of our notes on there, news, upcoming events, everything you need to know about how to get plugged in at Vintage will be on that app. So if you haven't done it already, go ahead and download that app. And then we have a couple big, big events coming up that I am very excited about. First, our worship night and baptism night is coming up October 4th at 6.30. Praise God. Uh, the registration link for that is live. So if your next step is baptism, I would encourage you to get registered for that today. Uh, we cannot wait for worship night. It is going to be a fantastic experience. And then next, the, the very next Sunday, that's October 8th, directly after service, is our next membership you. So maybe you say, my next step is I want to join Vintage Church. This is the event for you. And guys, it is, uh, we'll have lunch and child care. It's a fantastic event. So online or through the app, you can get registered for that as well. So as we kick off this morning, I want to start you with a big idea. We win spiritual battles by using the tools that God has given us to overcome the enemy. I'm going to repeat that one more time. We win spiritual battles by using the tools that God has given us to overcome the enemy. Last week, Pastor Keegan talked about some of the schemes and the strategies that the devil, the enemy, the adversary uses in the battles against us. We face in the spiritual in the start of our mind. We dive deeper today into the specific tools, the weapons, if you will, that God has given us to defeat the devil. Let's read in Romans 12. Two, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. What Paul's trying to tell us here, that these, these battles all start in our mind. It is so critical to understand, guys. We do not need more earthly knowledge to fight these battles. We need to change the way that we think about what happens around us. 
Maybe you're nervous right now, like I am. Maybe you're a little anxious. Maybe you're fearful of the future. The roots of all of these insecurities are less about how you think about what's going on in the world today. Whether it be economic turmoil, whether it be a war, whether it be the government that you're concerned about. At the end of the day, these ancient, anxious and fearful feelings have far more to do with what you believe about God than anything else. So I want you to think back to the story of Jesus and his disciples in the boat. Jesus was asleep in the belly of that boat. And the waves were ripping against the side. The wind was blowing, tearing that boat to pieces, rocking it back and forth. You can just imagine the fear that every single man on board had. They feared for their lives. And Jesus wakes up. And look what he says in Matthew 8, 26 and 27. He said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? He then got up, rebuked the winds in the sea, and there was a great calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Think about that for a minute. They are in the middle of probably one of the most frightful days of their life. And how does Jesus respond? You cowards, don't you know that I am with you? And with the soft spoken word of his voice, he calms the seas and he calms the wind. So what we need to realize this morning is no matter what trial we're going through, no matter what stressful situation we find ourselves in today, no matter what family drama, no matter what is going on at work, Jesus brings the peace. As human beings, we, we fear, and as a response, we seek peace in our circumstances. But Jesus tells us that peace is only found through him. This is why we can have peace even in the most fearful and difficult circumstances. He talks about this gift of the Holy Spirit in John 14. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace, I don't want you to hear this, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. This peace that we find when we cling to Jesus Christ is a gift from God. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit. And again, no matter what the circumstance is, we can find that peace in Jesus Christ. In John 16, 33, I have told you all of these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Guys, we all find times where we're in that pit, right? We're in that hole. We can't seem 
to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's in those moments that we must remember this battle has already been won. This battle has already been won. What an amazing gift that is that God gives to us. What an amazing opportunity we have to overcome the situations and circumstances in our lives. The Apostle Paul learned this in his own life and ministry as well. As he wrote most of the New Testament letters while in chains in a Roman prison. I'm going to shift back a minute um, to speak about spiritual warfare that we, that we dove into last week. The Apostle Paul, who had previously been a Jewish Pharisee, was familiar with the Bible. He knew the word of God. While being restrained in prison, he begins to look at the armor of the Roman soldiers. And as he did, God reminded him by the power of the Holy Spirit, the words of the prophet Isaiah as he describes what it takes to win the battle against the forces of evil. In Isaiah 59, 14 through 17 and 21, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far off. For truth has stumbled in the public square and honesty cannot enter. Truth is missing and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord saw that there was no justice, and he was offended. He saw that there was no man, and he was amazed that there was no one interceding. So his own arm brought salvation, and his own righteousness supported him. He put on the righteousness of body armor and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance as clothing. And he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit who is on you. And my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of your children's children. From now on and forever, says the Lord. We have to remember in Scripture, when God makes us a promise, that is such a huge, important thing to cling on to in our walk with Jesus Christ. Isaiah is a prophetic book. Prophecy is used not only to tell us of a future event, but it also tells us of the present reality. It teaches us how God works. Like the seven churches in the book of Revelation, they represent the churches of each age as well as those at the last day. There's only one way to defeat the works of darkness, and that is to become sold out to God. If you are not guarded or properly dressed with the full armor of God, you will struggle against the schemes of the enemy. If you want to know how it's so important that we do this, look at what John says about who is under the sway of the evil one. In 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. When we realize that the whole world is under the sway, the power, the influence of the enemy, 
it starts to become more clear what Paul says next in Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. So you have to imagine Paul in this environment, right? He's sitting here in this Roman prison looking at this Roman soldier who is guarding him and God gives him this vision of what it means to put on the full armor of God. So summary, there's, in summary, there's seven pieces of armor here today, and we're going to dive into the first one in just a moment. The first, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and the spear of prayer. In scripture, you see this repeat itself over and over and over again, but the number seven represents fullness and completion. When we put on the full armor of God, we are then fully ready to deal with every attack that comes our way. Today, we're going to start with the belt of truth. In Ephesians 6, 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. The loin belt of truth is the least notable piece of armor. So if you think about it, um, of all of the pieces of your clothing, the belt seems pretty insignificant, right? In today's time, the belt is used to, to hold my pants up, which is not an insignificant thing when I'm standing up here on stage. But, uh, but it's, not, it's not a centerpiece of your wardrobe. You don't think, get dressed in the morning and think, okay, uh, what belt am I going to wear? And then pick the rest of your clothes around that belt. Maybe you do, I'm not sure, I don't. It's not, that, it's not that big of a deal for us today. But you have to think about the belt through the context of the time period that, that we're talking about here. You have to think about that belt through the armor that this Roman soldier was wearing when God delivered this vision to Paul in this prison cell. There are several characteristics of the belt of truth. First, it had a clip that would hold the shield. When a soldier was in battle, he could clip his shield to his belt so he didn't have to resist that weight all day and he could fight longer, he could be more flexible. If you, think about the, uh, if you think about the movie 300, um, it's, not a, it's a pretty good movie, but it's pretty gory, so don't watch it with your kids if you, uh, if you haven't seen it. Uh, but if you have seen it, I want you to think about the clips of the soldiers that are fighting in, in formation here. And there's a really strong parallel that, that I want, to, want you to understand today. These Roman soldiers would fight in unity with their shields clipped onto their belt in a formation that could prevent the attack from the enemy, right? In this movie, you see these arrows flying across, 
and the 300 are standing there taking it all in with their shields strapped to their belt. It also held the scabbard, which was the, the Roman, it's the holder for the Roman short sword. It also had a place to sling a spear on your back. The breastplate would also tuck into the belt so that there was no gap in the soldier's armor. And finally, it protected the waist and the groin. Here the mind reproduces after the thoughts that are planted in it. This is why you must protect what comes into your mind, specifically strongholds of thinking. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of stronghold. So guys, how is a stronghold formed? It starts, it all starts with a tiny thought, right? It's a lie from the enemy that is planted right here in our mind. And it starts right there with that lie. That lie then begins to fester, right? It turns into imagination. It turns into thinking, what if? It turns into making plans. And finally, that imagination turns into a behavior. When that behavior is repeated over and over, it becomes a stronghold. And strongholds are hard to get out of, guys. It's not just something that is done once, but it's something that happens over and over again. Whether it be fear, anger, or insecurity as the root. There is a way to tear them down. But, more importantly, we have to strive to prevent that little lie, that seed in our head, from taking root in the first place. So how do you defeat a stronghold? First and foremost, you prevent them. Prevention is important. You will never rise to the occasion, but you'll fall quickly to the level of your preparation. You learn to identify lies quickly and prevent them from taking root in your mind. So if you think about this in our physical bodies, right? What is the best way, what's the best known way to prevent lung cancer? You don't smoke a cigarette, right? So that lie is that first cigarette that you picked up as a kid that gets planted into your mind, that develops into a behavior that then turns into a stronghold. You can also detect and replace them. So if you think about, again, going back to our physical bodies, if you think about cancer, early detection of cancer is the greatest chance of survival. You go see a doctor, you get it cut out, you get treatments, otherwise it can become much, much more deadly. So how do we put a fence to protect our minds? How do we identify and tell the truth from a lie? The belt of truth is the written word of God. I wanna challenge every single person here this morning, if you're not doing it already. Be intentional 
about spending time with our God through His Word. Take this Bible, and, and guys, the, the Bible app is great. Um, version is fantastic. It's an amazing tool, but I'm going to challenge you to get a Bible, an actual hard copy Bible. Be intentional about sitting down, spending time with God every single day, equipping yourself with the belt of truth. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I want you to hear this. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So what does that word profitable mean? It means, very simply, it's good for you. It's good for you. It will bring an increase to you. It will bless you. It will heal you. It will help you. And it will protect you. We know that the truth begins and ends with the word of God. So I want to take a few minutes and walk through each one of those things that the Bible is profitable for. First, doctrine. This is what God has done for us. Reminding us who God is and what he is like. What we believe about God. Are you scared of the future? We shouldn't be. Because he holds the future. The word tells us that. Right? If you pull up uh, the slide back from the beginning of the series, the foundational truths. So if you notice on the bottom, the foundation. Right? The base of this pyramid, the absolute foundation, is the absolute truth in the word of God. So guys, I want you to remember this challenge as you, as you leave here today. Be intentional. Take five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever you have time available for every single day. And spend some time with God in the word. Because we don't know the word of God... We don't know the God of the word. And so we fashion our own gods. The children of Israel did this by fashioning a calf out of gold. But we do it by fashioning a God that we like. Through our experience, our opinions, and our watered down personalized truth. Guys, you see this all the time where people have their priorities out of line. And they're making idols and they don't even know that they're doing it. John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. We need truth and sound doctrine to be able to embrace God's word and his ways. Second, it is profitable for reproof. We learn from what others did wrong in the Bible. This is a warning not to follow them. You know, the old saying, the best experience is learning from someone else's, right? And the Bible is full of examples of what not 
to do. And praise God for those teachings that we can learn from that. Paul writes to young Timothy, and this, this, this practical lesson was true at the church of Ephesus. It was true in Rome, and it is true today. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Three simple words, guys. Avoid these people. Avoid these people. Think about every single word that he said. And how many things can you think of off the top of your head in our present day society that are illustrated right there in that passage? God knew. God knew what we're walking through in 2023, just like he knew what they were walking through at the church of Ephesus. God knew. To take a lesson from what Paul said to Timothy here, the best way to avoid these people is to not be these people. You don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. And by avoid, what he means is avoiding association and influence. We should be influencing people like this, not the other way around. And we must guard ourselves with the truth to not be influenced by them. Next, it is profitable for correction. The Bible is amazing at helping us sort out truth from the lies. And every single one of us should be willing to be corrected by the word of God. And you say, well, David, that doesn't sound like much fun. I don't want to be corrected by the word of God. Maybe I can just figure this out on my own. right? Maybe I know I've got some sort of issue and I can just manage my way through it. The truth is that you can't. So in this challenge that I've, that I've given you this morning, while you are diving into your word and spending your private time with God, be open to being corrected by the word and the truth of God. In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, for the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes to whom we must give an account. Think about that for a minute. Nothing is hidden. 
and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So while we may think we can skate by without having correction in this physical world, we will never avoid the correction with our Heavenly Father. You're not getting away with it by doing that. You're only delaying it. And fourth, it is profitable for instruction in righteousness. It is the word of God that teaches us the ways of God. But it is also something that you and I must want. There is a huge difference between wanting God to do things for you and wanting to know the way that God does things. In Psalm 103.7, he revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. These people were fickle. They were ungrateful. They were demanding. But they still saw his mighty deeds. But Moses wanted to know God himself. He wanted to know the ways of God and not just the mighty deeds that God could perform for him. And for that, God was revealed his ways to Moses. So think about that. All Moses had to do was want. He just had to ask, and it was given to him. That desire to know God on a more intimate level, was in his heart, and he received exactly what he asked for. So as we begin to close, I want to leave you with one final idea about the belt of truth, the written word of God. The only way to overcome a demonic stronghold is to replace it with a biblical one. I'm going to say that again. The only way to overcome a demonic stronghold is to replace it with a biblical one. In Matthew 4.1, Jesus is tempted by the devil. Jesus was tempted just like we are all the time. But I want you to pay close attention to how Jesus responds to that temptation. In Matthew 4.4-11, he answered, It is written. Man must not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will have his angels, orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. But Jesus responded, It is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all of these things if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and began to serve him. 
Jesus answered through God's word. It isn't just enough to resist the devil mentally. It isn't just enough to resist that seed, that lie, that temptation. You must respond with God's word verbally. We think the wrong way, so we do the wrong thing. And God gave us the Bible to show us the right way. So guys, just to leave you with a couple things today. Put on that belt of truth. Get in the Word every single day. Find that time with God, that private time that you can spend in His Word and pray, pray for knowledge to come out of that. Pray for discernment to come out of that. Discernment for the attacks that are still to come because they're not going to stop They're not going to stop. The more that we do for the kingdom, the harder the attacks are. So we have to guard ourselves with the belt of truth. As we're wrapping up today, maybe taking that next step to get in your word every day isn't where you're at. Maybe your next step is giving your life to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been away, you've had a relationship with Christ, maybe you've been away for a long time, and today you're ready to come back to Him. In just a moment, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, in just a moment, if you are in either one of those groups, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand before we pray. Now is the time. Don't delay. Christ is waiting for you with open arms. If you fit into either one of those two groups, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I know who you're praying for. One, two, three. Thank you for those hands all across the room. Praise God. What a special, special moment. Church, I'm going to ask that everyone in here join me in prayer in support of every single person that raised their hand this morning. Repeat after me as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that the only way to be with you for eternity is through your Son, Jesus Christ. And today, I make a declaration that I'm going to walk with him every day. Dear Lord, we thank you for every single blessing that you bestow upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.